We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All hit Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and uh, for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talk Star Radio Network, X Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and X-Zone TV. If you'd like to give us a call toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Before we get to our first guest tonight, who is a Cynthia Crock. I'd like to tell you about two things that kind of, well, one surprised me and the other ticked me off that I just had to share with you in the Exxon Nation. Laura and I yesterday went to Costco. You know, millions of people in the United States and Canada go to Costco every single day. I I love the prices and you can't beat the giant size hot dog with the refillable pop for $2.99. You just can't beat that. However, you're walking down the aisle in Costco, and guess what I ran into? Christmas trees, Christmas ornaments, Christmas decorations. It's, it was only September the 9th. 
That's number one. Christmas is getting closer and closer each and every year. I think we need to push it back to where it belongs after Halloween. But that's just my opinion. And then I had to get my passport renewed yesterday. Go down to the passport office downtown Hamilton. Really nice, friendly people. No waiting in line, no nothing. I get to the counter. The girl is going through the forms and doing what she has to do. And then she gives me the amount of money that I had to pay. Okay, so I hand her over Canadian currency. Now, just remember, we're in a Canadian federal building in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I'm going to pay for my Canadian services with Canadian money. And she said, I'm sorry, sir, we don't take cash. I said, you have to be kidding. It says right on the currency, legal tender. It's got Canada written over it. I'm in a Canadian federal building, and they don't take Canadian currency. They'll take your American Express, your Visa, your MasterCard, your debit card, but they won't take any cash. Now, am I the only person who thinks this is a little strange? Well, obviously not. Uh, you know, I talked to several people, and they, they can't understand why federal government buildings don't take uh, Canadian currency. In fact, I called up my federal member of parliament and said, why is it when a Canadian goes to a Canadian services, part of the Canadian government, that they don't take a Canadian currency? He said, you've got to be kidding I said, I'm serious. So our local MP is supposed to be looking into that for me, and uh, when I get the results of his conversation with those who have a little bit more clout than he does, I will let you know. Also, uh, yesterday on Facebook, I asked about, I asked you, the explanation for your opinions on that mosque that is being planned to be uh, developed, you know, two blocks away from Ground Zero. And each and every member, and well over... Uh, well over 50% of our membership said, you've got to be kidding. We think that the mosque should not be located at ground zero. So, you know, the explanation is with the other 71% of the American public who, who do not think it's a very good idea to put a mosque two blocks away from ground zero. I've got to take a commercial break now. When I come back, Cynthia Crock is my special guest. We're going to be talking about her book that is entitled, are you ready for this, Ashwood? My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. And um, we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, Exxon Nation, that as of November 2010, we're back in Niagara on NNTV, broadcasting live on radio, television, and satellite. It's going to be a, a, heck, of a heck of a change. We're ready for it. Back to Niagara. We'll be back. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. ba da ba ba 
and privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Is but a song we sing, fears we will die. You can make mountains ring or make the angels cry. Though the bird is on the wing, and you may not know why. Welcome back to the Exxon, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Exxon Nation, Cynthia Crock is my guest this hour. We're going to be talking to Cynthia about her new book entitled Ashwood. And Cynthia, welcome to the Exxon. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us about yourself, Cynthia, and why you decided to become a writer. Oh, that's a good question. Um, my background is actually it was in journalism, and then mm-hmm. after a number of years, I moved into uh, the corporate world and eventually spent a great deal of my life in um, human resources, including time and executive uh, compensation design. Um, I started writing uh, short stories when my kids were young, and eventually decided, uh, looking at the way that the whole publishing world was going, that if I ever wanted to try to be a writer, I needed to do a novel. And uh, that's where I headed. Um, I guess part of the reason that I've uh, gone into the, the writing of fiction is uh, that I, I tend to be kind of an observer of the world and have um, some real, real different kind of background. I have a a master's in labor economics as well as a master's in in, um, in creative writing, and uh, find that there's that there's a lot a lot to think about and write about in how our world is unfolding. Isn't it true that it's also easier to get a message across when it's written as a fictitious uh, scenario instead of fact based uh, when it comes to getting certain ideas across to the readers? That's, that's a great observation. I mean, I started my life as a journalist, mm-hmm. and 
that was what I wanted to be from the time I was probably 10 years old. And what I discovered after covering city councils and school boards and planning commissions is that, um, you know, I became as educated on topics as those making decisions, but basically had to stay mute about it. And um, that wasn't really the, the place I wanted to mm-hmm. spend my life. Your debut novel, Minnesota Cold, was named uh, the the winner of the what was it the Northeast Minnesota Book Award for yes. fiction. Now, is Ashwood a sequel to Minnesota Cold? Um, no, they're both speculative fiction, but they're very different. Minnesota Cold takes place in a post nuclear um, event kind of world. I mean, not mm-hmm. not as grim as like uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road by any mean uh, means, but um, Ashwood is really quite different, and, you know, kind of looking at the same, what's going on, what could go out on out there 20 years uh, in the future, what really, what really, really kind of caught my mind was thinking in terms of more of the economy, and, and, I, and I'd like to point out that I, re- I finished this book in 2008, so really before, you know, the big stumble of 2009, mm-hmm but have, have had a, a long-term concern about where, where our um, economic strategies have been leading us. So they are not the, they're, they're both speculative fiction, mm-hmm. but they're both very different books. And so, this is the first of a trilogy, actually, the Ashwood book is. Tell me, why did you choose 2035 as the time in which your story begins now? Isn't that when your first book, Minnesota Cold, begins as well? Right, and I, you know, with Minnesota Cold, I was very, I was um, thinking in terms of really uh, the rotations of the United States mm-hmm. presidential elections and kind of how many, how many presidents out did I want to be. This was really different with Ashwood, and I, I think I was trying to be very practical about if there were a massive economic depression that, that really took over the, uh, you know, engaged the whole world, um, how quickly... Would our society um, in the United States be able to get through the kind of awful years of it, um, spend some time in formating a strategy, and really change cultural um, norms? And I think with the advent of technology and uh, um, and, and and the whole global economy, mm-hmm. we we change. Society changes much faster than it did five years or 20 years ago. Um, and so I really came to believe that, you know, a 10-year kind of window, um, significant change could happen. And a 20-year, we could see really an entire society be changed. Your writing has been described as speculative fiction. Now, what does that mean? Well, um, it's an interesting term. Speculative fiction was actually like one of the original terms Mm -hmm. used to describe what today people would call science fiction. Okay. And um, then over the years, you know, the science fiction kind of uh, name or genre name became much more um, commonly used and and kind of more of a fun term, actually. And Margaret Atwood uh, calls speculative fiction really almost a separate genre, where we're dealing with more of the of the um, politics, the the cultural norms that would that relate to things that 
that exists today. I mean, everything that's in my books in some way you could find exists in the world today, but taken out to some point in the future to maybe a logical conclusion or sometimes, you know, not so logical, but what are the implications of the decisions we make today, of the products we build, of the policies that um, might be in formation um, if carried out in, uh, in a lot of variations of what could happen in the world. You said that, uh, you know, you wrote Minnesota Colds prior to the, the economic disasters of 2009. How far or how different were your speculative thoughts compared to the actualities? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, some parts of it, for instance, um, Anne Hartford, who's the main character, has a memory of her father saying, you know, you need to uh, you need to look for a job or a mm-hmm. career that uses your mind because the United States really doesn't build things anymore. So, you know, he encourages both his kids to go out and get kind of intellectually kind of based career things. And I think that that is, you know, that certainly is probably the last 10 years we've, we have outsourced and offshored more and more of that whole capability. Uh, we certainly haven't gone down as far as as, um, as the book would take it, although if you read, there are a number of places, uh, just kind of subtle references to the second fall. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm praying there's no second double dip um, here with this recession. Um, I, the piece that I think is true also is that there isn't a quick resolution. I mean, the government can't just, like, step in and say, here are 10 things we'll do. There is this time of kind of fumbling as the economy keeps uh, keeps declining before uh, there is just that rock bottom where um, where policy has to happen, has yeah. to change. How far do you think we're from rock bottom at this point? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm not an economist, thank God. Um, so I really don't know what the answer is to that. You know, you can mm-hmm. when you listen to the pundits, it's like some say we're still we're still going downward, some say we're on our way up. Yeah. It's like the, the indicators are, um, are both contradictory and in their nature. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that we've seen a, that we're on a plateau at least at this point. Tell me, did Ashwood come to life in what might be termed as a, a channeled state? Um, no, um, actually it didn't. My first novel, I would say, did because it just it kind of grew and changed mm-hmm. as it went through. But after I, after North Star Press, who is my publisher, uh, bought the first book, they wanted a second book, and they gave me uh, roughly eighteen months to produce it. So, uh, plus I was also decided to use it as my MFA graduate thesis project. So I had to approach it in a much more um, decisive way and put together timetables and you know, so I did some outlining and and uh, worked on it more in kind of almost like a business project kind of sense versus the um, artistic sitting at your laptop and mm-hmm. looking out of a window kind of approach. I would imagine that when you're going to use a project as a thesis for mm-hmm. a degree that it that it has to be looked at in a totally different light than than if it was just your artistic talent sitting down writing a book. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, there was um, certainly more of a discipline mm-hmm. of, you know, it was it was reviewed by faculty members who are um, writers 
and you know, re, you know, well-respected writers of their own, and uh, that that kind of ups the whole ante from just working with your peer writing group, who happen to be people that you know in your community. So, yeah, it was a, a different, and I think a very um, in uh, a very satisfying approach to taking it. We have about a minute left before we have to take the news break, and, and I'd like to get your 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 gut feeling on where publishing is going today. Is is the publishing market more easy for new authors to get into since everything is can be either self published or electronic compared to the let's say even ten fifteen years ago? For people who are who are interested in in getting their book printed, and mm-hmm. that's their main goal. There certainly are a lot more avenues. For those folks, I think, who are looking for that kind of affirmation that their work is of a certain quality, yeah. which may come from being, you know, working through an agent or working with, or being published by a mainstream publisher, I think it's tighter and more difficult. I um, agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Cynthia, you and I have to take our news break. Please stand okay. by. Great talking to you. Exxon Nation, Cynthia Crock is our guest of this hour. She is the author of Ashwood. Her website is www.cynthiacrock.com. That's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-K-R-A-A-C-K.com. We'll be back on the other side of the news break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Oh, make the angels cry. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www www.exoneradiotv.com
Welcome back to the Exxon. Cynthia Crock is our guest of this hour, Exxon Nation. She's the author of Ashwood, www.cynthiacrock.com. That's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-K-R-A-A-C-K.com. Tell me, uh, was um, Anne Hartford a fictitious character or was Anne modeled after someone in your life? No, Anne is, Anne is fictitious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I hesitate that way because I you know there are people in my life I guess who have had had um, unwilling career changes and I did spend a number of my years as a um, actually as a career counselor so you know I've I've worked with people who have had to make those kind of gut wrenching changes but no she's she's fictitious it's a good question though people mm-hmm. are always asking you know is who who was that person. Um, and she's she is truly fictitious. Now you've also uh, skillfully woven historic events into this novel, and uh, is Ashwood intended to warn readers about the fragile nature of democracy, and then used for critical thinking? Yes, yeah, it is. Um, I I think in today's world, governments. You know, while balancing like mm-hmm. huge issues, of course, like interrelationships with other countries and economies and all those kind of things, that governments um, somewhat have lost that that um, ultimate reality of why they exist, which is to be there for the common good of of regular citizens. Yeah. And um, you know our. And along with that, the multinational corporations have just grown so, so massively huge that at some point there could be this really, this really uncomfortable collision, I think, of, of who, who really controls, or not controls, but influences how the world, um, how life would be led in the world. Um, and, I, and it's very difficult as, a, as just a private citizen to, to really understand what what role or influence you can play in in what happens to the world, and so some people, you know, just kind of don't do anything, and uh, and others try to stay involved or get involved at their local level, or or try to influence whatever small um, sphere they might be able to. So it is a cautionary tale. Do you think that in today's society we're overly um, politically correct? Well, you know, I'm from Minnesota, um, and I think in some ways we are one of the um, poster states for political correctness. And yes, I do think there there is. Um, we haven't come to a comfort place mm-hmm. yet about how to talk about differences um, uh, with just just as people. That's true. After reading about Ashwood, have you thought about turning it into a, a motion picture or a TV series? I think it would be fantastic. Oh, I'd love to. I um, I tend to write, at least one of, one of the observations of a friend of mine who is a playwright, is that I tend to write in a way that kind of almost speaks to being, um, you know, very visual, very very screen-like. So that would be, I think that there's uh, that kind of interest certainly showed up about people enjoying thinking about the future um, in, in shows um, in the past. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. But we don't really kind of have that on television right now, or and not a lot in movies. I um, you know, there's some great speculative fiction movies like uh, uh, Children of Men, which was based off a book by P.D. James, that that have kind of gained more following um, five years later than they may have had at the time. So yes, I do think it it would be a good a good book to see on on screen in some way. I was wondering if you could take us into the time machine and bring us to the year 2035 and give us an idea what or how you see the future. Okay. Well, the, you know, I, I do, I do worry that we will go through, um, more, many more bumps about, about, um, the, about our economies and certainly kind of scale back perhaps expectations of, of what is a, a good life. Um, one of the central entities in Ashwood is something that the government has created called the Bureau of Human Capital Management, which is really ripped out of um, multinational corporations today. You know, we used to have personnel, and then we went to human resource management, and eventually, like a lot of these larger companies, now have taken to thinking of the people in their companies is just a different form of capital, you know. Um, and um, I, I, I see that that has an attractiveness in other kind of capabilities, especially if we continue to have these monster organizations mm-hmm. with 150, 200,000 employees, that there could be, you know, a natural evolution of kind of testing and um, kind of developing the futures of, of young people to meet the labor needs of, um, of, a, of an economy. Um, I, and I, so I do think we'll have diminished kind of prospects in our lives, not that that means that we can't have mm-hmm. good, you know, thorough and happy lives, but I don't think that we're going to see the rah-rah of the 90s with all the money that flowed at that time. Um, and I and and our countries, um, especially you know North American countries, are certainly becoming more multicultural, and that is just going to continue to um, uh, to develop as well. I I, I don't yeah you know, develop is a is a good word in 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 that sentence in that context because as we're all aware there are certainly a lot of stresses that are being put on the different cultures in in North America these days and um, you know this is something that that I really believe we need to work on more and more and more it needs immediate attention we just can't keep can't uh, wait a sec we just can't keep on sweeping it under the carpet like we have been over the last 10 15 years right I, I agree with you and and um, the the one thing I do wonder though is if we were brought as um, countries mm-hmm. to to a, a brink of you know some calamity, whether it be a global ish, a global warming issue or if it's an economic issue or whatever, would the would some of the like intense kind of concern we have, like political correct, correctness and such, would some of that kind of evaporate more as we just had to um, learn to survive together? Versus trying to create, you know, the the kind of best society, mm. and and I think in both my books we've kind of gone to that point of of um, 
more of a sense of we are just people uh, trying to trying to uh, trying to improve the, the way that our lives are versus as much of kind of preserving our maybe individual um, cultural identity while we uh, become part of something bigger. Uh, so I don't know how many of our issues today are somewhat kind of um, niceties because we've got the, the time and the resources um, to look at them and, um, and whether that would change. The, the one part about um, in most of my books that I've really, I, I've really spent some time on is, is who's kind of paying attention to how the, the next generations um, will, will fare as well. So, it, for instance, in Ashwood, um, Anne is assigned to be manager of, of a government estate, which is basically a large farm that will raise food for the, for the uh, community. And much of the labor is provided by children. And uh, some people have, who have read the book find that really um, offsetting. But I guess because I grew up in, in a farming community, uh, it doesn't bother me to think of kids you know, working in fields and stuff, as long as they're not put into danger with huge equipment. Um, but it is kind of interesting to see city people kind of respond to the thought mm-hmm. of like, oh my God, these children are basically being you know, just uh, abused and used. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, that's not the intention, at least. Where do you see social networking? You know, the, the Twitters, the MySpace, uh, the Facebook, and all these other social networking sites that are coming up these days and, and being utilized. And I think in many circumstances being abused in the future. Right. Um, I did give. I didn't give as much thought to that in my first book mm-hmm. because ten years ago we really weren't yeah. weren't talking about social media that much. But certainly today, and as I've been writing the the second book of the trilogy, there is um, more resurgence or the or coming back to um, to social media as a part of the world and like one minute movies and whatever mm-hmm. to just kind of uh, fit into what. The, the life is like, you know, there's a lot of debate today about whether some of the social media really is even as prevalent as they claim to be. Like, you know, how many people open Twitter accounts versus use them? That's, that's right. Different things. Yeah. Or, you know, millions of people have started blogs, but probably um, only a fraction mm-hmm. of those people even update them over 30 days. I do think face, the whole Facebook phenomena mm-hmm. um, is really changing when you think of, you know, the articles about uh, new college freshmen this year who find email to be a particularly slow form of communication because they text. Um, and yet, if you probably did that, that questionnaire four years ago, the kids would have said um, snail mail is too slow and they use, they use email. So it obviously is speeding up all the communication and, you know, things can spread that aren't true quickly and it's hard to undo them. Um, but I do wonder about what it does for relationship building oh, big as D. well. Yeah. As someone who worked in human relations, um, when you look at the, how do I say this without offending anybody, um, the quality of education mm. that is coming out today, because kids don't, 
I, this is my opinion. They don't get the same quality of education as when you and I went to school. Everything is so fast. You know, they're allowed to use their, this, you know, some schools allow texting. Other schools allow the use of computers in classes where other schools in the same classes don't allow the uh, use of computers. Everything is coming to an abbreviated world for speed. How is this going to affect the employer of the future? That's a, a, a very valid concern. One of my one of our children is um, is currently a graduate student um, at teaching mm-hmm. at a large state university, and has you know tremendous concerns about the writing abilities of of underclassmen, uh, getting papers that have no breaks, it's like yeah. a one page with no sentences and and such, um, and about those who feel like just you know a three word text really should be sufficient like explanations mm-hmm. of things. So I don't, it, the piece of, that would be very difficult in business is A, you know, even though you might use emails, you have to have those three paragraphs mean something. And um, I don't know if the texting piece, like I've, I've worked in offices as, um, as a consultant where people don't even like stand up and look over the partition, they're texting to each other. Um, and they don't want to be in meetings. They would rather just yeah. do kind of a streamed conversation and use IM for that kind of purpose. So the kind of lack of learning how to talk to each other. Communication and, skills, yeah. Yeah. And that little nuance piece about, well, gee, Joe said that, but what did I really hear? Mm-hmm. Disappears if it's a text message. Exactly. So it's, I think it, it poses challenges. You know, I've got a sister-in-law who uh, instead, you know, they've got a regular size house. It's not a mansion. And mm-hmm. instead of going down to the bottom of the stairs and yelling, supper's ready, she texts mm-hmm. the kids. Like, come on, aren't we going a little yeah. bit too far? Wow. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, and so, for instance, I'm, you know, I'm taking it a little bit back to the book, but mm-hmm. and um, when in Ashwood, when Anne is communicating with, with the Bureau, of uh, human capital management, it is a voice that just merely comes with kind of an avatar um, because there's this kind of like elimination of the need for you to really see the human that you're talking to, mm-hmm. but more just we're delivering messages to you. Um, and that that texting story kind of takes you to the same kind of place of... <laughs> of uh, I know it's easier to do, I'm sure, than to walk around and look for all the kids. But, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Why can't you just stand at the bottom of the stairs like my mom did and yell, Supper's yell. ready! It's not and simple. Just yell. Right. Exactly. Right. It's communicating. Yeah. To me, it shows if somebody talks to me, I matter. If you text me, I just, I, you know, it doesn't mean the same to me. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's just like some of my kids send me the electronic birthday cards. Others actually go to a store buy a card, stick a stamp on, put it in the post office. To me, you know, it's, it shows that they actually took time thought. and thought. They, they thought about you and they thought about you in a planful way that exactly. meant that they had to be there like three days ahead of time versus like, oh my God, it's Dad's birthday. I get yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. Cynthia, uh, stand by, my dear. You and I have to take hey. our final break. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Cynthia Crock is my special guest, Exxon Nation. If you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have, you're going to go to www.cynthiacrock.com and get a copy of Ashwood. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
Exonation, Cynthia Crock is our special guest this hour. She's the author of Ashwood. Her website is www.cynthiacrock.com. That's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-K-R-A-A-C-K. First of all, Cynthia, it's been a great pleasure having you here with us on the show. Uh, congratulations on a great book. Well, congratulations you. on your trilogy, and I can hardly wait to to get my hands on your third book. Uh, speaking about a trilogy, is it easier for an author to write a trilogy than it is book by book by book? Um, I would. It, it depends on what kind of a, a writer you are. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of attention right now about Jonathan Franzen taking nine years between books and to to write something, and um, for me. The challenge is uh, to spend time, because the characters will all age and time will change as well, and so you're really kind of locked in to this, uh, because it's speculative fiction, into this world and into these people, and trying to not get perhaps a little bored with them as well might be more my challenge, uh, uh, versus like starting fresh with a new story and just, uh, and having the the delight of learning what happens and figuring out what to do with that. So I think it has its, its ups in that um, I'm, I know what I'm doing for mm-hmm. the next uh, year and a half or two years, but on the other hand, um, it does lock you in from perhaps taking on other projects uh, that might be, might kind of give you a little, um, a little, you know, new things to think about. What would you like people to leave with after reading Ashwood? What's your message? Oh boy, my message about um, about Ashwood. There's a, a few things. There's you know while this while there is great good intention on the government's part mm-hmm. for what they have put in place, um, people have this kind of uh, sense of relief that uh, someone that someone has created a safety net, but also a lot of um, a lot of pain and resentment that that what happened had to happen. So I think one part, and there's corruption that is developing, just like in any, you know, if you think of MASH, mm-hmm. the old Rizzo character, who sure. was a procure, you know, yeah. guy was crooked as could be, but, but in every, every kind of setting, those kind of, that kind of corruption will, will, 
will emerge. And so if I were going to have them take away a few thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, I think one of them is about the abuse of power um, is a broken promise in any relationship, whether it's between two people or between a government and its citizens. Cynthia, I hate to do this, but we've just run out of time. I want to thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to having the opportunity of having you back on the show in the future. Take care of yourself. And once again, congratulations on a great book. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. XO Nation, Cynthia Crock has been my guest this hour. Her website is www.cynthiacrock.com, and that's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-K-R-A-A-K.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the XO continues right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.